Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good morning. I know there's not a whole lot of you, but good morning. Good to see each of you here. Glad that you uh, ventured through the snow and that you joined us. Welcome for those of you who joined us online. Uh, we're happy that God has granted us uh, that capacity to be able to stream, and we're glad that you've joined us. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, it's going to be our, our theme verse that we kind of look at this morning, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, um, as we continue our series this morning in, in, uh, in joyful generosity. And as we think of joyful generosity, um, this morning we want to look at open-handed generosity. Open-handed generosity. Um, I love I love babies. I love kids. And, and so one of the things that you have to do as, as you have little ones, and I think of um, especially like Cheerios as they are learning to eat those or they have these new things like called puffs, I think. Like there are all kinds of really cool flavors that we never had. We got Cheerios. Now you get like strawberry and orange and all these great flavors that we just got Cheerios. But um, but it helped with our calcium and all of our health and our heart is healthier, right? That's what they say with Cheerios. But when you're giving to a small child a little treat or a little snack, right? You either have to lay it on a surface or you open your hand and you set it there for them. Oftentimes, if you take it and you try to, you try to hand it to them this way, it just doesn't work because they can't quite grab it. Their, their hand-eye coordination, they're still learning that, especially when they're little. And so you have this, uh, this picture of, of open hands, right? And so you're putting that, that substance that you know that they will enjoy in your hand for them to grab and for them to take and to enjoy. <clears throat> you know, when we think about our lives, oftentimes you've heard me say that God is the owner and we are his steward, right? And as his steward, we, we have the, that, we should have that mentality of, okay, God's given me everything. And so um, we can either have our hands open or our hands clinching to what he's given us. And this morning, I, I don't want to just challenge us to think about um, whether it's just um, as his steward, okay, he's the owner and I'm the steward. But, but think of it this way, like what joy is there when we as the steward can look at what God has given us with that same open hand as we give a treat to a child? Like how much joy comes and maybe nothing for you for me it, i love it because they get that treat and they're like and they're like more you know can i have more please more and and so that that excitement more please thank you thank you marissa she's helping me i forgot all those sign languages uh things but more um as they want more so we want to walk through this, and part of this is I want to give us um, three items. Um, first, the kind of the concern uh, or some warnings um, when we look at a close or clinching hands. 
And then I want to give us some, some practical applications uh, as we think about this. But let's look at some passages first when we think about Scripture and what God has to say about giving or open-handed generosity. The first is found here in Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 35. It says, in all these things, Paul is, uh, this is Paul. He's speaking to the, um, the leaders in Ephesus. And he is saying this, in all these things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, what's interesting is these words of Jesus, if you have your text, it's probably highlighted in red, right? Um, but those letters, those words actually aren't found in the gospel, and so this is something additional, words of Jesus, and uh, the gospel writers even tell us that, hey, if, if they recorded everything that Jesus said and did, um, it, it wouldn't be able to fit. Like, it would be an endless supply. And so Jesus did and said a lot more than what we have in the gospels, and here's an example of that. And that doesn't make this not from Jesus. This doesn't make it untrue. In fact, um, you ask, well, how would Paul know that Jesus would say this because Paul, was he with Jesus during that time? No, he wasn't. But Paul got to be pretty good friends with some of the other disciples. And as he learned from them and as he heard, um, as Jesus shared uh, of his ministry with those disciples, that got carried down. And so here is Paul giving an illustration once again of Jesus' teaching. And we can go back um, Luke, who is, is writing this passage here in Acts, actually recorded a whole nother book of the Gospels of what Jesus said. And I won't take the time this morning. Um, maybe we should because maybe we'll be snowed in. But there's, there's several other passages in Luke that if we just look at what Dr. Luke shared uh, as he records here for us in Acts 20 about it is better to give than to receive, we see that Luke actually shares several instances where Jesus is talking about giving. In Luke 6.30, and Luke 6.38, and Luke 11.41, Luke 12.32 and 33, and Luke 18.22. So this isn't the first time that Luke, our writer here, is talking about giving. Um, we see it's a principle throughout Scripture what we see here is Paul is trying to, to enforce, reinforce that he wasn't, as, as a, the giver of the gospel, he wasn't there just for monetary gain. He wasn't there trying to take money. And, and again, part of that, if you do some research, you will start to see that a lot of the scribes and the Jewish leaders, uh, the Pharisees, um, were involved with religious things, and while they knew the law, they were benefiting uh, themselves financially. And a lot of that, Jesus confronts, as we see in the Gospels, and a lot of that was done through deception and, and through um, false teachings. And so Paul is trying to say, listen, I'm not here to steal your money. And in fact, I worked with my own hands. And so he encourages them here in verse 35, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus and how he said it is better to what? Give than to. Do you like giving? 
I love giving. Christmas is so much fun to me until January comes and then I see my account. But I love it. I love giving. It's harder for me to receive, and yet God has continued to show me that it is a blessing to receive. Because why? Because somebody else is giving, and they enjoy giving. And so um, a a dear, dear woman uh, taught me years ago. She called me to her house uh, one one weekday, and she said, "Uh, Pastor, could you come down, and I'd like to talk with you a little bit. And as Dorothy Lockler would always do it with her gentle, sweet spirit, I sat on her couch and she said, Pastor, you have a problem. I said, yes, Dorothy, I have many problems. And she said, well, my concern is that you are not a gracious receiver. You don't receive well. And she said, when somebody talks to you and pays you a compliment, you try to brush them off instead of just saying thank you. She's like, when you, when you do that, what you're doing is you're actually stealing their joy of giving. And so as people give to you, receive it in a humble heart, in a humble way. But it's okay just to say thank you, even if you don't know what else to say. And so this isn't really talking about receiving, but in a way today, as we start off, we're going to talk about giving a lot. But as we start off, I want to mention Part of an open-handed generosity is also receiving with grace, doing it in a way that, that does not steal the joy that other people have as they give. I mean, think about that. If you're giving a gift or something nice to somebody, um, you want them to enjoy that, right? And what if they came to you and said, oh, thank you? Like, Maybe your children have done that when you got something nice for them and they just kind of fluff it off and they're like, and you're like, well, I'm glad I put a lot of energy and time into that gift, right? Think about that as we give, but also as we receive. That's part of the joy of generosity, the open handedness of that. What we see here in in this uh, Acts 20 and what Jesus said actually references back to also the book of Deuteronomy. So I want to take you there. Um, We're going to look through several passages. Some of them are just verses. They'll be up on the screen. But I encourage you, if you would, turn here with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 10. And when it comes to um, the law and what we see here... This section that we're looking at has to do with the Sabbath. And every seven years, um, there was a law where the Jewish people were to do certain things. And part of what we see here is uh, at the beginning of chapter 15, if you look at verse 1, it says, At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. Part of that was to their, their workers, their slaves that they may have had. At the end of seven years, they were to release them. Um, Part of that was their credit. Uh, If they had a neighbor who owed them after seven years, uh, they were to release that credit. And so as we see this, um, we we get to this section in Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 through 10. And I want to read that with you if you would follow along. It says, If among you one of your brothers should become poor... In any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, 
but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Let me just pause there for a second. So Jesus is showing the Jewish nation. Again, this is his nation, Israel, that he has called out distinct from all the other nations. He has called them out and he says, this is the way I want you to live life. And part of being different than the rest of the world, here's one of those areas. And so as they have a need, uh, needs arise within their communities. And, and, and the writer here is helping us to see that as their brother, and they're talking about um, their own people, so the Jewish people, how they relate to one another. It's a little bit different how they relate to outsiders and to those who are not part of Israel. Um, we're not going to get into that this morning, but as they are dealing with their own brothers and sisters of Israel, we see this illustration and it's a picture that we see. You shall not harden your heart or shut your hand to him. And so here's this whole principle and this idea that we close our hand to our brother. Instead, what we see here is God is saying um, that you shall open your hand, verse 8, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Okay, it sounds like a good principle. But remember, every seven years, all right, if you're lending to your brother, you can do that. If you're in year one or year two, year three, sounds good. I'm going to get that money back. Now, here's the warning, though. Warning is here, verse 9. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye looking grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging, begrudging when you give to him because for this is the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work and in all that you undertake. What we see here is uh, we're prone as we count the cost of different things. Okay, I can see myself doing this. All right, Pastor David has a need. All right. He's got braces, he's got all these things. Maybe he's got a wedding and coming up and he just, you know, Emily lost her job and there's just, this is all hypothetical, but he has this need. Oh, but it, the seventh year of release is coming up because we're in like year six and we got six months left. If I give to him, that means I'm not going to get that money back. For a lot of us, hopefully, it wouldn't be begrudgingly as we give. But let me encourage you because a lot of times we don't give out of our, we give out of our surplus. We don't give out of what, what we have, what we need, meaning we give our leftovers. Oftentimes when we give, we think that as we clean out our garage and we go through our stuff and we donate it to Goodwill that, look, I gave. But does that cost us anything? Does it really mean that we were generous? It doesn't mean we were generous. It means that we gave of our excess. But it doesn't mean that I have a generous heart. 
going back to our illustration here, if Pastor David is in need, and even though it's the sixth month and uh, or the sixth year and the sixth month, what the what the Lord is telling them as a principle is: do not let your heart get in the way where you hold on to your things so tightly that you're not willing to give to your brother who is in need. Because if your brother comes to God and says, here's my, my friend and my brother who, God, you have blessed, and yet he won't give to me, right? This, the text tells us there, because this poor, needy brother is going to God. He is in need. God has given this well-to-do person the funds to be able to help them, and yet they choose not to do that. So... The text tells us that you will be guilty of what? Of what? What's verse 9 say? The end of it. You are guilty of sin. Sin. How many of you want to be guilty of more sin? Raise your hand. We don't want to sin. Oftentimes, we try to um, manipulate our situations and our circumstances to make it look not as bad. But the truth is, if we withhold from our brother who is in need, we have the awesome opportunity, not as the owner of our things, but as the one who is a steward, to open our hands and say, Okay, God, I, I want to give to this person. I want to have an open-handed generosity so that you may bless this person through what you have given to me. And so I'm transferring that blessing to them so that they can enjoy your blessing. The principle is very clear, right? I hope you pick it up. There's a verse over in Ecclesiastes. And I think this is something as we think about uh, our are things that God has given to us. Uh, again, sometimes it just doesn't make, us, make sense. As the rest of the world um, controls their finances and their items and their things, the way we're to live is different than the rest of the world. And so stop comparing yourself to the rest of the world and stop trying to make sense of everything that God wants you to do as his steward. He wants to channel his blessing upon you. He, he wants to give you joy that would only come if you are, are obedient to him. One of these concepts we see Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 1, Solomon writes this, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. I don't know about you. I've gone fishing before. And I've used bread on the end of my hook. Um, and usually that doesn't work too good after a long period of time. You know why? Because the bread dissolves, right? So what's Solomon saying here? He says, listen, cast your bread upon the waters. It looks like this is an idiotic thing to do. Go ahead, throw all you have upon the waters. And you know what's going to happen to it, right? Human Intelligence tells us what is going to take place to that bread. It's going to sink. It's going to dissipate. And you're never going to see it again. Solomon says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. 
here's a principle that just doesn't make sense from the earthly reason part of things. It helps us to see, once again, if we invest where God desires for us to invest, as we lay out as generous stewards what God has blessed us with, we're, we will get to see a return. It, it may not be according to our timing, but God promises us, and listen, listen, you will get to see what I am doing, God says. What about the poor? Again, this is something that I wrestle with, and I'm sure you probably do too, the people at the corner, right, who have these signs, and, and there's other needy people. There will always be needy people. There will always be poor. It, it, it has been from the very beginning, and it will be till the very end. So what does the scriptures have to say about the poor? Well, let's look at a couple of these passages in Psalm 41. Psalm 41, verses 1 and 2. This is uh, what David has to say. Blessed is the one who considers the poor, or this word could be translated the weak. Blessed is the one who considers the poor, the weak. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You will not give him up to the will of his enemies. What we see here, again, God's hand is upon who? The weak, the poor. And what does David say? The Lord protects him. The Lord keeps him alive. The Lord provides. He is called what in the land? He's called a hobo, right? He's called a loser. No. What's he called? Blessed. So those of us who are strong or those of us who are not as weak or as poor walk around in a society that continues to build up. If you have more, then you are something. And yet that is quite contrary to what the scriptures tell us. Let's go to another passage, Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Proverbs 19, verse 17 says this. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Ever seen that verse before? Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So when you give to the poor, when you give to the weak, when you give to the needy, you're not giving just to people, you're giving to who? You're giving to God. We're going to talk about in a little bit, when do you know when and not to and all that. I'm not going to get into great detail because I think it's a really simple answer and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But here's the principle of what we see. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. That does not mean that if you give $10, that $20 is going to be back in your bank account by the end of the week. All right. I do not believe that God works that way. He can work that way. Oftentimes, what I have found is God chooses not to work that way because I'm so selfish and conceited that I would just give it all away knowing that I'll get more back, right? God knows our heart and he wants our heart. He, wasn't, he doesn't just want our action. It's not about a sacrifice. He wants our heart. He wants a relationship. He wants a continual pursuit of him. And so in that pursuit, 
as he challenges us as, as followers and as stewards of his with open hands and generosity as we continue to give generously and allow things to come in and to come out, he will work differently at different times because he knows exactly what we need because he is all wise, all knowing. He is sovereign in control of all things. He knows exactly what we need and what others need and how he desires to use his resources around the globe to minister to the people that need it. Let's turn to the New Testament now, Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 and the first two verses. Paul's just written about difficult situations or what I would call gray issues when there's gray issues as brothers and sisters in Christ and how we are to relate to one another. So he's just finished up a conversation um, in his writing here. And he says this in chapter 15, verse one, he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Uh, what a concept for us. We could just take this passage and chew on this for a long time today. There's a lot of meat here. But think about this. How much of your life and how much of what God places into your hand of your time, your gifts, your resources the truth that he gives you, all that he has given to you, how much of that is used for your own good or what Paul says here, to please yourself? One of the ways that you can answer that question is by looking at your checkbook. You see, God knows uh, where our hearts are and he even tells us in the Gospels where he says, listen, um, where your heart is, there is where your money, where your money is, how you spend your money, um, is where your mind and your attention and where he says, where your heart will be. God just knows us. That's not a concept that we pastors came up with or somebody really intelligent came up with. No, God knows the human heart and he understands. And so the best way that we can look and say, is my life about pleasing myself? Or is it about helping to build others up? Because Paul says very clearly here, let us please, please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Let's come alongside and build up one another. And so the best way we can do that is while there are many different ways we can build up people, but a way to check our own heart is to look at our bank account and to say, where am I spending my money? And I don't think this is just when you get a full-time job. I think this starts when you're young. I think this starts when we're little. When you start getting some finances in, I tell you, it is one of the sweetest things to watch some of our vacation Bible school kids as they walk in and they give generously out of their own heart. And you're like, hey, I brought my piggy bank in. Like, really? That's so awesome. Remember, Jesus even gave us an illustration of uh, the widow and the mite, right? As she comes 
all these people are thinking, oh, here, I'm giving generously. And she comes and puts in a few coins. And Jesus is like, listen, this woman gave all that she had. She is going to be the one who is most blessed and most rewarded. It isn't about just us giving more. It's about our hearts. And it's about this idea and this concept of this open generosity where we allow God to put in and to take out. Quickly, let's flip over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 8, and then we'll look at Galatians 6, 2. But Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 28. Paul says, let the, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Why would the thief want to share with someone in need? Because he probably steals because he needs something. And so there's this concept of work and the importance of work. Galatians 6 verse 2 says this, bear one another burdens and so fulfill, so fulfill the law of Christ. As we give, we get the opportunity to come alongside of others and we bear their burdens. We help them with our time, with our treasure, with our talents, with the truth that God has given to us. We come along helping to do what? We bear their burdens and so we fulfill what God has said. The law of Christ, to love one another, to love him. Those are some passages. Let me quickly switch gears a little bit here and give you a couple of concerns or warnings about closed or clenched hands. And so as we think about this idea and the picture again of open-handedness generosity, and it's something that I would just encourage you to keep before you as you go throughout your year, and somehow, some way, put before you either on a mirror or on, on your refrigerator, something that would allow you to be reminded of these open hands. All right? Open hands. Put them someplace so that they would remind you and, and cause you to think. Because when we live with closed hands, clenching hands, um, there, there are some deep warnings and concerns that I have. Because I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in others. The first is this. When, you, when we live with closed or clenching hands, nothing new can be added. Meaning, God can't put in, he's not going to put in, uh, when we hold things so tightly. Whether that's relationship, or whether that's items or things. So, it could be people. It doesn't have to be money. But when we hold to things too tightly, what it does is it limits what God is trying to do and trying to move in and out according to what he desires. So nothing new can be added, meaning that we may miss out on something new that he desires if I just hold on really tight. The second is this, that uh, um, what is held can be held in such an unhealthy way. Meaning what is held can be unhealthy to us in our mind, in our hearts, spiritually, as we walk with Jesus. The things that we hold on to, while they are good, they should not replace Jesus. They shouldn't replace what, what has the one who has given it to us. Meaning we aren't here to worship the creation. We are here to worship the creator. 
And so in this, when we hold on to items and things, um, they become too much of our focus or they take too much of our time so that we miss out on the one who has given them to us. Here's a simple illustration. If you wanted to catch a monkey, do you know how to catch a monkey? So you can look it up, but a cool way to catch a monkey is you, you create this, um, uh, you come up with this jar or something and you place something in it so that they can't see necessarily. Uh, it could be like a gourd or, or a bottle where they can fit their hand down in, but you put an item down there and so that when they grab it, they can't pull it out. And so what a monkey will do is they'll put their hand in there and they'll feel for it. And all of a sudden, something happens to, in their mind. They want to see what it is. And so they'll do everything that they can, but they will not let go of that item. I, I tell you, that's a simple way to catch a monkey, man. Just put something in there and make them grab a hold of it. And they just can't let go of it. I think Satan does that to us at times. He makes us think there is something so valuable, we have to hold on to it. And for some people, it destroys their life. They are unwilling to let go of it. They're just clinching. And that's the concern. That's a true warning sign. If we're not willing to let go of the things that God has so so graciously given to us, who am I? What have I become that I hold those things so tightly where they become unhealthy? And let me tell you, it may not be in, 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 in the monetary. It may not be with physical things. Let me caution you. This may be in your relationships too. This may be a relationship that you cling to in such an unhealthy way that God says, listen, I have more for you. I desire more for you, but you are fearful or you're afraid or you're scared. I have more that I want to give you. But if we hold on so tight, how will it get in? The third is this, that sustained growth cannot take place. If we clinch and hold on tight, how are we going to continue to grow? As generous givers, we stunt our growth by holding on to whatever that thing is. And instead, God, God desires to grow us as he brings things in and as he takes things. And so this whole idea of open-handedness, uh, generosity is part of our growth and him growing our faith and our trust in him. It's a trust in our God that he desires what is best for us. Do you trust that God is going to follow through on his end? It's easy to say. It's hard to live. It's hard to live that way when it affects us. When I get stressed or I get worried or I'm concerned about this. Okay, God, whatever you want, you, you do whatever you want. I'm here. The fourth is this, focus on maintaining or acquiring things. And we're not giving. Where our attention and our mindset becomes, 
what can I gain? What can I get? What can I uh, have and enjoy more of? And so it, it's kind of this idea like the kid at, at trunk, trick-or-treating or trunk-and-treat when they come up and you give them one piece of candy and they take another piece. And then all, before you know it, they're grabbing a whole handful. And it's all about just the fact of getting more. They see it all there and they're like, oh, I got to have more of this. For us, this idea of open-handed generosity allows us to, to be able to focus and, and see the one great God who owns it all. You've heard and you've probably seen the pictures, the open grave, right? We come in with nothing and we will leave with nothing. We start as dust and we end as dust. It is the way our lives are. And so why would we cling to these things or desiring, acquiring more instead of looking at what God desires and how he desires for us to give? We're to be givers because he is a giver. So are you concerned with giving or acquiring? So those are some concerns and worries. Think about this now. Let's uh, have some practical application. So how do we live as open-handed, generous people? Thinking, again, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know if this is a word, but I made it a word. Actionable application. Actionable hope it's a word. If it isn't, it is today. Because I want us to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Okay? If you walk out of here, or if you're listening at home this morning and you don't, you don't apply, you don't live out the, what you're hearing in just one, at least one small way, we've missed the mark. We've missed what God desires. And so I want to give you some actionable application of what open-handed generosity looks like. The first is this. To pray and to find ways to give. To pray and find ways to give. Again, Galatians 6.10 um, says this. Um, so then, we, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. I, I just encourage you, as you live your life this week and the days to come and the weeks to come, um, that you would pray and that you would search out and that you would find ways to give. Give of your time. Give of your treasure. Give of your talents. Give of the truth that God's given you. Matthew 10 verse 8 says this. Where Jesus is sending out the 12 apostles to do great work. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without pain, give without pay. He's saying, listen, don't worry about acquiring. I'm going to give you everything that you need as you go along the way. And so I encourage you as you live life today and in the week ahead that you would pray and find ways to give. Uh, I, I love the idea that I heard over Christmas. There's a, there is this group of people who uh, would save up enough money. And uh, each couple would bring like $100 and they would, they would go to this restaurant and at the end of the, their meal, they had a nice meal. And at the end of the meal, they would, give the, they would pay for their, their food, but they would give the rest of the money to the waitress. And so that she was extravagantly blessed with an over-the-top amount. Think about that. If you've got a family 
with your children. What an awesome way to show your kids how to give generously. Where maybe you work on it for a month or two months and you say, hey, we're going to save up um, some money, whatever that amount is, and we're going to go out to eat and we're going to pray that God would send us to the right restaurant and we're going to have the right waiter that God would want and, and we're going to bless this individual uh, with a, a bigger amount of a tip and because God has blessed us. And so we want to share that generosity. That's just a tangible, real way. It's just an example. But think and pray. Pray that God will give you um, the opportunity and, and ways to be able to give. Number two, pray and find ways to serve. Pray and find ways to serve. Um, I remember um, back several years ago, uh, I was preaching on stewardship. And one of the things that I was talking about uh, was uh, our older people, elderly people, or well-seasoned people at that time. Um, and I was just challenging them because oftentimes um, they're, they have a fixed income. They don't feel like they can do a lot physically. And, and, and they just... Um, they don't feel needed or they don't feel like they can contribute. And so I remember challenging on that Sunday that, hey, there's lots of little projects and ways to serve, especially in a, a facility like we have here. And I remember Mr., uh, Mr. Lane, Chuck Lane Sr., came up to me after the service. And uh, I, I don't remember exactly how old Mr. Lane was. Um, I know he was well into his 80s. And he said, Pastor, I, I want to help. I want to do something. So tell me what you need. And I said, okay, Mr. Lane, I'll, I'll call you this week and I'll give you something. And Mr. Lane came in and for a couple hours, he pulled up a chair uh, in the gym and he replaced all those little rubber feet on all of our metal chairs. It took him a few days. He, he, we weren't in a hurry. It was just a tangible way for him to come in and to serve. I think there's a lot of ways, and I'm not just talking about here at West Hill. I'm talking about in our lives and the people around us. There are ways that we can serve. There are several people who have served over the years, whether it's been at uh, Pregnancy Solution or down at Skyview or down at the Haven of Rest. A lot of our older people have gone and they just stuffed envelopes they put stamps and, and stuffed envelopes it's just sitting at a desk at a table. There's ways to serve. There's ways to be able to give generously that God has given to us, whether it's our time or our talents or our treasure. Pray and find ways to serve. That's what I love about our teens and having them involved in Awana where they're learning to, to serve. They're learning to give of their energy and their time. Where it's not just every time a teen shows up at church that they have something, some service for them. Where we accommodate these teens and then where they grow up and they come to church and all of a sudden we're asking them to do stuff and they've never been asked to do anything. I think we do a disservice to our children and to our teens and even to our older adults if we think that, well, we got things covered or we can do it. We all have gifts and abilities, time treasure, talents that we can give. Pray and ask the Lord to give you an area where you can serve. 
The third is this. I would just encourage you to keep your eyes and your heart open. Ask God to open your eyes and open your heart. I want to read to you a passage in Mark as I finish up here. Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. And he said to them, Jesus said this, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Keep your eyes open. Listen to the Spirit of God and what He is trying to talk to you and tell you. As we live a joyful life, one of the great blessings of living a joyful life is the open-handed generosity that we can live life knowing that our Creator God will supply all of our needs. He will take care of us and he wants to manifest his goodness and his blessing through us. He wants to work in us in such a way where we, as his vessels, get to pour out his grace. As we saying that Christ would be magnified through us. But if we clinch and we hold on to the things that he's given us. What's this text tell us? Even what he has will be taken away. Keep your eyes and heart open and aware of what God is doing. Continue to place what he puts in your hands in his hands. Be creative. We have a creative God. Look around. I mean, I know it's kind of silly, but look around this room. Is it not evident that our God is creative? Be creative and find the joy of what it means to have open-handed generosity. Because if Jesus said it, it's got to be true, right? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to live out our lives and live out our faith. Thank you that we can give because you've given to us. Help us not to just be collectors. You tell us that the blessed are those who give. And we can only do that with our hands open. And so may we find great joy today and the days ahead. I pray that you would do a great work in us and that we would, we would even test you and just see if your truth is real. Lord, it's one thing. Sometimes we, we know it in our minds. It's another thing to live it out. And so I just pray that you would, you would work before us this week that we would see in tangible ways where we can give generously. 
May we seek you with all of our heart. Not doing and not giving so that we look good. May our motives be pure and right, Lord. May we give because we desire to honor you. And we want others to be blessed. Because we have been blessed. That takes faith. And it takes trust. Help us to trust you more. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.